welcome. You are listening to OPOD's Occupational Health Podcast. This is a podcast series by the Occupational Health Clinics for Ontario Workers, where we discuss the challenges of current and emerging trends in occupational health and offer effective prevention strategies to empower workers. My name is Dwayne Fuchs. I'm a registered kinesiologist and the ergonomist at the Ocal Clinic here in Thunder Bay. And I'm Melissa Statham, Canadian Certified Professional Ergonomist at the Windsor Clinic. And today we're going to be talking about back to school and the idea of ergonomics as it relates to educators and students. Well, that's a pretty timely topic, I think, Melissa, seeing as it's going back to school time. And I don't think most people know that there are ergonomic interventions out there that can help both students and educators in the prevention of the onset of musculoskeletal disorders. I think we have that eye for it as ergonomists, but I mean, you look at a kindergarten classroom and you look at educators, the furniture, the the educators, there's a different ratio there that just doesn't really jive. But first of all, we need to get our kids to school. And we talk about the first step in getting the students to school. It's that whole idea of what do they need to pack? They need to pack their backpack. And this is one that has been looked at for quite a bit of time is backpacks. And there's different things that we need to consider when we're looking at just children in general as it relates to the backpacks, the furniture, everything that they use at school. And that's just be understanding that we have a range of body sizes. My daughter is shorter and then there's there's kids her age that are quite a bit taller. And this all comes into play when you're looking at the different furniture that they're going to be sitting on and just in general what they're doing at school and how they're using different types of technology. There's also strength capabilities. At some point, boys become stronger than females. And this happens typically around the age of 16. But we often overestimate our children's abilities. And we often attribute a lot of any types of aches and pains that they have to growing pains too. I'm sure you've heard that before, Dwayne. Yeah, exactly. I really think that that's super important when children happen to complain about musculoskeletal pain, wherever it may be. As adults and as parents, we tend to take a look at it and say, well, that's just because you're growing or that's just because you're sleeping this way or you're doing this or that. And that may not be the case at all. When we look at children going to school, it's really not unlike an individual going to work. They're at school for five or six hours a day. That's their job for 10 months of the year. So I think it's really important that we do look at those things and realize that some of these situations that our children might be getting into and may or may not be complaining about are not necessarily because of growing pains. They definitely can be due to some of their behaviors and and oftentimes a lot of their, their postures and other things that they've been doing, for sure. You mentioned the differences in children, and you also mentioned school bags and backpacks. Well, maybe we should start there. That's very important. We should look at how they're getting to school and the things that they're bringing to school prior to even what they're doing there. What do you do with your children and their backpacks and trying to bring their school supplies to and from school? 
Well, I definitely have one child that's an overpacker of the backpack and all that extra weight on a child's growing body is not good. So what we need to look at first is what's being put in the backpack and what needs to be put in the backpack. Do we need to bring these things every day? Or maybe that very first day of school, there's some extra supplies that they're going to need or that first week they'll be told and they'll have to bring things back and forth to school. But look at it as an opportunity, too, that potentially you can leave things. So, you know, if you have some pencil crayons at home, you have a, a set of pencil crayons at school. So you're not carrying them back and forth each day. Now, when we were in COVID, that never happened. Unfortunately, the kids, when they were in school, they had to bring everything to and from school every day, including indoor shoes, all those things that you would have left. So those backpacks during those few years were super heavy. But you really want to make sure that you reduce that weight in the backpack because it can cause a lot of problems for a child's back, their neck, shoulder pain. And we're talking about backpacks here because that's really what kids should be using. They should be using backpacks. You want to have those shoulder straps on both shoulders. It's not carrying it on one shoulder. I was a person that definitely did that going to university, a satchel bag. And it's ironic that I ended up doing ergonomics as a profession. And you look at how I traveled from class to class throughout campus was using something like that rather than a backpack. It's funny you say that because I can think back to when I was in university, a lot of people did that for sure. And, (laughs) you know, they're walking around lopsided with three or four or five or six big, large, heavy textbooks, and they start feeling things. But with children as well, I mean, it's important to look at this now because during their formidable years, they might not feel a lot of aches and pains now, but that can definitely make a difference in terms of their growth patterns and how things progress as they move forward, for sure. And I agree with you with COVID. Yes, the kids weren't at school all the time, so maybe some of the things we're going to discuss might not have been as prevalent. But having to carry things back and forth all the time really, really was a lot more prevalent. So basically, in terms of the backpack, and you said they should look at the weight. Obviously, when you go to purchase one, I'm guessing you should probably bring your child with you. It's just like a pair of shoes. You wouldn't go and guess and say, okay, well, those pair of shoes should fit my child because last year they fit my child. Well, we both know that children tend to grow, unfortunately, and a lot of them grow at different speeds. So it's important to bring them with you when you're purchasing a backpack so you can make sure you get the appropriate size and you can make sure it fits properly and that they can get it on and off correctly, as well as just like the shoes, teaching them how to wear the backpacks properly. And as you already mentioned, teaching them how to pack it properly and make sure you get the required items in there in the right weight and distribute it properly as well. You know, you covered most of it there, Dwayne, and we have to really consider too, a lot of these kids don't necessarily have lockers at school. And for schools rather that are in town, a lot of these kids are walking back and forth from their home. So they could be carrying these bags for a long distance. So, I mean, if you're having to do that, you want to make sure that bag is light. But that being said, if a backpack is too roomy or has more space, kids are likely to fill it up. So that's why, you know, bring your kid with you, have them fit it on them. A little kindergarten kid does not need a massive backpack. Some of these kids, I swear at Kiss and Rye when I drop them off, that some of the kindergartens look like they're just 
going to topple over because their bag is bigger than they are. So it's just really important. Make sure you pack only essentials in your bag. Leave items in your desk, like I said before, rather than bringing them daily if you can. And load backpacks with the heaviest items first, and they're closest to the bottom. In the center of the back of the backpack, make use of any type of the multiple compartments too. That way you're distributing that load across the back and making it more even. So it's just like Dwayne said, you want to make sure that the child knows how to use their backpack. Those straps are adjusted properly. Sometimes you can even get backpacks that have those straps that over your chest they can uh, secure there. It's just another way to make the backpack, the weight not be all on one part of the body. There's also ones that you see across the shoulders as well. So those are just some things to keep in mind when we're looking at getting ready for school. And the first thing, like Dwayne said, is that backpack. Very good points, Melissa. And I didn't even think about the fact that the children might be walking longer distances. And probably with COVID, some parents might choose to not have their children bus that may have bused before. So now those children may be even walking more so than they ever did before. And additionally with COVID, where they recommended you bring your stuff back and forth, well, how about maybe if you have the means, have two of certain items. So only certain things really need to be brought back and forth every day from school so that if there happens to be a shutdown where the children have to stay at home, they might not require those items at home because they may have those items. Obviously, things like technology, I mean, you mentioned computers earlier, things like laptops and phones and iPads, those types of things, obviously, you're not going to duplicate and have two of those, but some of the other items, you may be able to do that. How can we help both educators and students in terms of utilizing their technology safer? Because saying that they shouldn't utilize it, we really can't say that anymore, Melissa, can we? Because that's how our world is operated. And who knows with the pandemic whether our children are going to have to go back to virtual learning. Do you have any suggestions on trying to deal with technology and children and as well as their educators? When it comes to children and educators, basically, we, we want to limit our time on things like that. We have to keep in mind that if we're throwing these things at children to use during the day at school, then at night when they're at home, you need to really limit use of those items because we have kids that are growing and these items aren't necessarily being used properly in the classroom or for that matter, outside the classroom. I know during COVID, I had a lot of parents reach out to me and we did a lot of presentations just addressing the issues of how a workstation could properly be set up. So when using things like laptops or tablets, you never want something, especially a tablet, to be flat on the surface of the workstation. You want to prop that up. It comes down to maintaining neutral postures. So things like laptops, again, prop it up. Laptop sitting straight on flat on a workstation, your view, if your gaze and line of sight is down, your neck posture is then flexed down and you're not neutral. So that's putting unnecessary force on that area. And again, like we've mentioned several times, these kids are in key moments of developmental and skeletal growth. So it's really important that we try to maintain these neutral postures. You want to limit time on them. Don't have them using them for hours on end like we were during COVID, unfortunately, but it's not good for your eyesight 
appetite for your skeletal system for even mental load. You need to get up and you need to move around more. But it really is important is coming back to this idea of maintaining neutral postures when you're using technology. And if you have to sit there for a long period of time while you're doing something, you need to make sure it's set up properly for whether it's outside of the classroom or inside the classroom. Those are very good points, Melissa. And I think one of the very key points that you made there is the fact that the children and the educators are utilizing technology all day while they're at school, whether they're physically in the school building or they're being taught or teaching virtually. We need to recognize the amount of time they're spending on the technology and we need to then limit it based on that. You can't separate it and say, well, that was school and this is home because that might not work that way because it's all additive. The body doesn't know whether it was utilized at school or for school purposes or if it was utilized for leisure. So if your kids are in the classroom and they're utilizing technology a lot, maybe it might be a good idea to find out how much they're utilizing that technology and then base your monitoring of their usage at home accordingly. And it's very similar to how we deal with workplace and workers. If you utilize your computer a lot at work, well, then you should monitor your use while you're at home. Yeah, it seems to be a common complaint. I've even noticed this before just outside the classroom with work sites that we've gone to. More and more time being spent on technology is causing a lot of visual and eye fatigue. We're noticing that a lot more people want to wear blue light glasses or they're very sensitive to the amount of lighting they have overhead and tend to like it darker. All of this is new and I think it has a lot to do with how much we're depending on technology you know, especially for work. But when we look at it in the classroom too, it's not good for the kids' eyes, the teacher's eyes. It's not good to be looking at these devices for long periods of time. So I don't know, Joanne, if you've ever heard of the 2020 rule in that for every 20 minutes that you're looking at a device that you want to then look away 20 feet for 20 seconds. And that's to give your eyes a break. They're muscles too, and they need to have a break. And it's also been shown too that when we're using different types of technology, we actually blink less. And by blinking less, we're not lubricating our eyes, so they become dry as well. So we want to make sure that people are going for regular eye tests, especially before school. And actually, my daughter just went for one today before school gets started because a lot of vision problems, teachers are people that can notice it just based on what the children are saying in the class as far as being able to see the board or see the screen. So we need to keep in mind that we need to keep our eyes healthy. We want to limit our time on technology, both educators and children and people just in general. We're spending way too much time on technology and it's affecting our musculoskeletal system and our eyes. Those are very good points. Providing the education to teachers, educators, the students and the parents so that the students have that information at their disposal. It's easy to say this is what they should be doing, but we need to be teaching them to do that. So as educators, maybe you take a look at how the classroom's set up properly. Maybe you even put signs up on the walls and tell your students that every 20 minutes you should look away or schedule that within your classroom setting. At this period of time, you get up and you do this, or this period of time, you get up and you do this. It's very important to make sure that information is out there. 
Sorry, Melissa, anything else you'd want to add? No, I just, Dwayne, you kind of hit on the next point that we wanted to talk about was the whole idea of furniture and movement going hand in hand. And that said, if you look at the furniture of any classroom, we typically have older, uh, same height work desk, except for if you're in kindergarten and primary, you'll see those lower. But then you have the whole issue for the educators, educators trying to help children that are at these small desks and they're sitting on small chairs. And even as you get through higher grades, the kids are sitting on hard plastic chairs for the duration of the day. So that's why we're talking about this whole idea of movement and even the 2020 rule for your eyes. You need to make sure that we're incorporating more movement in the classroom. You don't want to sit in your desk for all hours of the day. There's a lot of classrooms now that are providing alternative sitting areas or standing stations. There's couches or there's floor work. They kind of can rotate around. And I think too, it makes you more mentally fatigued throughout the day. So when you're sitting at the same desk doing the same work, it's daunting. So when you can get up and you can move, it's both good physically because we're getting the blood flowing and it's good for our mental capabilities as well. Absolutely, Melissa. Movement is probably one of the most important things to incorporate in your day period, whether that's a school day or a work day, as often as you possibly can, because it helps in terms of postures. It helps in terms of muscle exertion, relaxation, both of those things together, just like you said, as well as your mental ability is very, very important to incorporate the activity. Yeah, no, I was just going to say when it came to seating, even when COVID was going on in the heart of it there, we actually went and purchased chairs for our kids because again, we had the kitchen chairs and, you know, when it turned into something that was going to be just a month to uh, a long time learning in front of a screen, it's really important to be sitting properly, but also get that movement in. I know teachers, they have to have this idea of DPA or daily physical activity, but it's more than daily physical activity. You want to be moving like at minimum once per an hour. I don't know about anybody else's kids. My kids don't tend to sit still very long. So by forcing them to sit there, it's just, it's not good. We need to really, like you mentioned, Dwayne, movement is the key for everything. We were designed to move. But when we don't move... (laughs) (laughs) You know, when we can't move and we're looking at chairs and those types of things, you mentioned that you went out and purchased chairs for your children to do their work from home. That's really important to know that it's not one size fits all. It's not one size fits all for the educators. It's also not one size fits all for the children. How about the desks besides the chairs? Do you have any suggestions to try to make these chairs and the desk surfaces a little more accommodating for the children? primary tends to have the lower desk, but there are ones that you see that are more slanted now, like a drafting table idea. So that way to help with neck posture, there's different types of chairs. You see like kids uh, with stools and, and I know you mentioned like it's not feasible to be buying all of these things, but you could have your child sit on something to prop them up a bit more. Even if they had a stool to put their feet under, those are things that you could provide them or send them to school with to 
just to make them comfortable. Because if you're not comfortable where you're sitting, then your attention is going to be distracted from what you're actually doing. So it's going to take away from what you're learning as well. But the other thing too is looking at teachers. If you've gone into any classroom, a lot of times these teachers are sitting at those old wooden desks that I'm not sure what era they came from, but they definitely don't accommodate how teaching has changed over the years, how technology is now such an important part of the daily use, even more so. I think of when I went to school, teachers didn't have computers all the time, but now you see that a lot with the smart screens and just how they do any of their marking or great, everything is done on a computer. So it doesn't accommodate any of that anymore. Yeah, I know exactly what desks you're talking about because I'm considerably older than you. And my teachers back in the horse and buggy days, those are the desks that my (laughs) teachers used. But it's also important, like you said, about having the kids move around. How about setting up this lesson while you're sitting at your desk? Now the next lesson we're going to do, everybody's going to do it from a standing position. The next lesson, everyone's going to do it from a seated position on the floor. And then both educators and students can embark upon those. And just going back to teachers too, because this is for them as well, there's a lot of the educators, they're up there, they're teaching, they're standing for long periods of time. And so when it comes to that, you want to make sure you're wearing proper footwear. You want to have some type of anti-fatigue mat. If you find that you're standing in one place for a long period of time, it can cause some severe back pain for some people. So just think of what your footwear, what you're wearing, because that's your job you're doing all day long. And Sometimes just wearing a proper Birkenstock, you know, those can be fancy or wearing like a proper fitted running shoe. That's going to be so much better for you in the long run than any other footwear. Absolutely. We need to realize that this is their work. This is their job. And when I say they, I mean both students and educators. This is what they're going to be doing for five, six, seven hours a day for the next five days a week for the next 10 months. So it's important to view it that way. And anti-fatigue mats are great. You see them everywhere now, really. Yeah, they're inexpensive. And they're mobile and you can pretty much purchase them anywhere. So for sure, that's a, that's a great idea. And, you know, besides that, people need to keep in mind that we're getting into a very stressful time for everyone because it, it's a stressful time for the parents as well. Some parents might disagree and say, no, it's a great time because the kids go back to school. But still, they have to prepare, do those things that you mentioned in terms of purchase school clothing, purchase backpacks, school supplies. So we all need to be aware that it's not just the end of summer time and potentially the end of vacation time. It's a new increased stress time for lots of people. Returning to the classroom is very new to children. They're going to a new grade. They're going to potentially have a new teacher. Some of them might be going to a new school. They're going to have potentially new classmates, maybe all new classmates. So depression, anxiety, and distress are important things to look at, but you need to monitor those with your school-age children in terms of how they're dealing with school, and not just mentally, but, but physically as well, and likewise with the students and the parents. But as adults, we might be able to recognize that a little bit more. For the students, we really need to address that and look at that. 
And everything you said for the students is the same for the educators. You have a lot of them that everything is potentially new. A lot of our school systems are severely understaffed right now and they're going in and they already are anxious. And so we all need to do our part to make sure it's a great school year. And I think making sure that you're comfortable physically in how you're doing your job, the tools that you're using, the how you're setting up your technology, that's only going to help because there's so many other stressors. So let's try to control what we can control. Yes, we can't control everything. We can't control what the school system provides. We can't control COVID and whether we're going to be, you know, looking at a home educational system or a school educational system. But we can try to teach individuals proper setups, teach them proper equipment. But it's also very important that that information gets relayed to everybody on a regular basis. Yes, absolutely. You want to notice how people are working and just try to incorporate any of these little tidbits that we've given you into your daily lives. Just We just want to make sure everybody is healthy. And again, by physically set up proper, the, the mental health will fall in line with it as well. I totally agree. So let's hope that everyone has a very good school year. I hope that your children, I know you have two school-age children. I hope they enjoy going back to school and everybody has a happy and healthy school year. And um, that's it for now. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. For more information about this podcast, including show notes and companion materials, go to our website, www.ohcow.on.ca. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast channel to ensure you receive notification of our latest episode. As well, check us out on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you for joining us.